Dozer, when you're done, bring the ship up to broadcast depth. We're going in. You have accessed the pirate signal. This is the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your premier podcast all about Exalted, and the most banned and censored podcast in all of creation. (laughs) I'm your host, Corey, and joining me today, as is sometimes his custom, is Charles. Well, I don't like that edit. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want me to do, lie over here? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we get in trouble for telling the truth. Why why lie now? (laughs) Oh, but not joining us today, and and I can't remember the reason why, is Jim. Uh, Sorry, Jim. Uh, I kind of like, I don't know what the word is. I just was like, he was like, I can't do it that Saturday. And I'm like, well, I can't do it any other Saturday. We're going to have to record. Sorry, buddy. Uh, So anyway, uh, sorry, Jim. We'll catch you on the next one. And we miss you. So anyway, uh, well, it's good good to have you back, Charles. Yeah. haven't haven't heard you actually you know what this is the first time you've been on anathema (gasps) Mm, it's it's kind of like a you know it's it it fits like a i don't know like a like a new pair of shoes that automatically fit like an old pair of shoes you know Corey. i'll be honest at this point uh i don't know what anathema is and at this point i'm too afraid to ask you uh, should no. be, if, you're, if you're at all telling the truth you should just you should be very ashamed of yourself oh man yeah so uh yeah we're we're being hunted uh, by everybody they want to they want to hurt us so yeah anyway welcome <laughs> you've condemned yourself good, just by being to here to be here yeah. <laughs> oh man uh, you know, as as is my custom, uh, this morning before we were recording, I was you know sitting on the throne, <laughs> doing Jeez. the king's business, <laughs> coughing out of both ends, <laughs> something in that that regard, and uh, and I and I saw that the FDA just approved a new pill, which. <laughs> It was very appropriate oh given where I was at the time, but apparently there are people who have a disease uh, or uh, where if they've been on too many antibiotics because of, I don't know, whatever, you know, various conditions people have where they, they've been on antibiotics for a long time, uh, you've heard the danger that it can cause you to lose all of your good bacteria, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you've heard people say that. Yeah. So when you do that, apparently you just diarrhea all the time uh, because you don't have the good bacteria in you to, I don't know, poop thicker, whatever you want to call it. You know, when you you mentioned a pill, that was immediately what I thought of, by the way. (laughs) was poop thicker. Yeah. Yeah. So so anyway, but the, the interesting thing is the way that they achieved this magical result of getting the people with no bacteria to, uh, to thicken their poop back up again is with a, a pill that is full of other people's poop. It's, it's Uh, literally the ingredients are other human beings, fecal matter. And Mm -hmm. the FDA just approved this, uh, as a, as like a legitimate drug. So you can take a pill. It's got other people's doo-doo in it. And um, anyway, I don't know how they collect that, 
but I just made a deposit. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's my contribution to science today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I donate you to science. Bye bye. <laughs> go fly, sweet child. <laughs> How do you? Uh, I mean, what are they gonna? They gonna have like banks somewhere for people to donate, or is it just like the researchers, you know, and their kids? They're like, like here, new, come here, we need some more for the next batch. You know, new like, lever on your toilet, you flush it when you want to send that one out. Yeah, that was, that one sounded like a good one. The splash on that one was was pretty righteous. Let's send that. Yeah. Oh boy! All right, I have, I have no idea. Anyway. I just thought that was rather interesting. I like to pass along the interesting nuggets I find in the mornings. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> so anyway, back to this here podcast about Exalted. We do actually have not so much news, but let's play the news bumper anyway. Well, about the only thing in the news uh, this week is that uh, Surface Truth's novella is almost about to get a POD, which I'm, I'm excited for. I forgot this thing even existed until they sent it out. Which to one backers. is that? Is that the it's, a Lunar's one? No, it's a Dragonblooded one. And oh, gosh. Yeah, for all the backers of Dragonblood, you're going to get this thing for free. You should have already gotten an email about it where you could like get the download link from drive through RPG, but uh, they're doing the thing now, you know, that was like the, the PDF out to backers and now the backers are going to edit it for them or whatever happens there. And then, uh, and then they put together the POD proof. So right now the POD proof is going out. So it should be a POD pretty soon, which is cool. Cause I like having those things on my shelf, you know, just to fill out my shelf a little bit more. So, Always look forward to it. And uh, I just, actually, speaking of novellas, I, I finally finished reading the Circle of Protection one. And uh, it was all right. I was excited about it early on. thought it, it was going places. And then it, um, I don't know, it kind of raced to a climax. Uh, did some really wonky things with pacing uh, toward the end. And uh, and I and I saw some 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 evidence of some heinous editing that had happened uh, at some point during the story. Uh, I, I feel like you know I mentioned before that uh, in the short story version of the initial event in that book that's in the short story collection. Uh, first of all, it's set in, in the Imperial City, and then they changed it in the novella to be set in um, Great Forks. But then also in the short story, there were the, there were two sort of like, I guess you call them civilians or whatever, that were survivors of the uh, the big event that happened there. And it was a, a girl and a guy. And then in the novella version, it was two girls. And uh, what, what I think is very, I don't know, I don't, I, I don't really like that this happened because it seems like it was an editor's uh, decision and not the writer. But there is evidence all through that thing that someone came along later and actually changed the male in the story, the male of the male and female survivor of the first event to a female there are like a lot of places where the the him pronouns uh, are being are, were still left in the text and so they just like straight up changed that character from a male to a female that's what it seems to me you know with my with my sherlock holmes like attention to detail <laughs> as i read through there but uh anyway and you know i feel like they did that probably to check some boxes and all this kind of stuff and i i don't know i i didn't really appreciate that but um 
But the overall story is kind of neat. You know, it's about a group of uh, sidereals who are tasked with keeping track over exigent exaltations and uh, the one, especially ones that get out of control. Like they, they like pervert people into like these giant monsters and start destroying cities and stuff like that. And so they get dispatched all over creation to kind of, you know, try to investigate and why, why this is happening, who's causing it and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I, it was like, we were barely getting started on the, on the investigation of all that. And then we're just like rushing to the, uh, to the climax, which is very, very, it was very weird on the pacing side of things, but I still like reading this stuff. It gives you ideas, you know, get, like, lets you kind of see creation alive you know in a Mm -hmm. story like that so yeah i I dig it i dig it i i you know i i do miss the full-length novels that they used to make back in first edition and second edition but i I like these novellas pretty good too just because like i think i think i said on the last episode uh it just you know lets you you get a lot more of them quickly you can read them quick and then move on to the next one so it's pretty cool anyway so that one's coming and that's really just about all there is about news. But, you know, we got a couple of updates this week for uh, the Exigence uh, Indiegogo campaign and the Siderials Kickstarter. James Bell always sends out his end of the month updates, just kind of saying, you know, and and for the first like year of those, it's all like not much going on here. Everything's still moving along slowly, you know, that kind of thing. And I was just sort of looking at those. He, he does a really helpful uh, graph or chart or something yeah. of all the different products. Yeah. And, and it shows like where they're at, you know? And the thing that, that is very similar about exigence and siderials is the main book is like pretty far along in the process. there, like down into editing and development and all that kind of stuff. And then all the other things that were stretch goals and, and all the other parts of the Kickstarter, they have like really like no progress, you know? And what I was thinking, just looking at those is I was like, you know, the, the thing that can kind of crush people's spirits about the way these Kickstarters go is that there is just nothing moving for like a long period of time. Uh, and you're like, dang, man, I, you know, I, I know that they say when you, when you do these Kickstarters, they're like, well, here, you know, back this book. And in 20, in December of 2026, you'll get your book. And you're like, yeah. It's not going to take that long. I mean, come on, come on. You know, like you're, you already have it written. You gave it to us in manuscript form. How could it be that long? You know, that surely that's just like a, that's like a, you know, they're, they're giving themselves way too much time. A really, really conservative estimate, you know, they'll get it done before then. But then month after month, you get the updates and it's like, well, nothing's moving. Nothing's moving. Nothing's moving. And I was thinking, you know, they're missing a real opportunity here because there are so many things that are a part of that Kickstarter including things that we have sort of made fun of in the past and gotten in trouble for making fun of, like, you know, the desktop wallpaper. (laughs) But, you know, it's so strange. It's like, you know, months and months and months go by, and it's like, well can we at least get the desktop wallpaper? You know, like, (laughs) and I was just thinking, yeah, why don't they do that? Why, like, why don't they just do that? So that every couple of months, there's at least something that you get that you can kind of look forward just to. It's a like, trickle oh, of a trickle yeah. of stuff that lets you know, yeah. oh, this isn't a, you know, they didn't take the money and run. Which, I mean, yeah. we all know they didn't, but yeah, we gosh, know they it, didn't. It, it kind of feels like it sometimes. Yeah, like when, I mean, you, it's, it's, when you just said this surface truths came out i didn't even remember which one that was from that's how long ago it was well that was you remember we started the deliberative during the uh the the dragon blood what fire has wrought when did that even start so the campaign started so i think it was like five years ago right 
Yeah. Yeah. So like five years ago or maybe plus we started, we started this show during that campaign. And, uh, I, I've gone back several times to listen to old episodes and it's really hilarious. Like the way that we talked about the, the Kickstarter is like, we're looking to get that PDF here within the next couple of weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> We were such babes, such foolish babes. Yeah. And that was one of the things that kind of like, I don't know, it sort of drove us into uh, semi-retirement there for a while. Like, like in the first season of the deliberative was just like, are you serious? Like, how long are we going to wait for this book? Like we've been doing this show for half a year and they had it written when we started. And why aren't we seeing the PDF? I mean, you know, and then we just kind of had to get used to, I guess, the schedule, but some of these things could help them just make it feel like there's movement on stuff. I mean, you know, they have images, they have images in the Kickstarter campaign, you know, Mm -hmm. Like that they've already requisitioned from, you know, whatever art place, you know, I guess in the, uh, that, that, that's got to soon be a dinosaur. Like when, when you could just tell an AI to make a, a, a image and it makes it in like 10, 15 seconds. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this uh, recently. We've done it on our discord and, uh, it's a, it's kind of a fun thing for you at home to try out there when the Monday meeting notes comes out, you know, they always have the artwork in the Monday meeting notes that they're showing off from upcoming products that they, you know, they've, they've requisitioned the art, they've got it made. And now they're just like putting it into the Monday meeting. notes. It's like a teaser. Well, what's fun is pick any one of those Monday meeting notes images, you know, some, some of their brand new images that they're proud of. And, and I mean, right to me, I mean, they're, they're cool. I mean, I'm not, I don't want to say anything against how cool the artwork is. But when you think about how much time is taken up in the development process with the artwork and all that kind of stuff, just do this experiment. Pick one of the images in Monday Meeting Notes and see if you can get Midjourney to make that image on the first try, like with your prompting, right? So write a prompt to try to get it to make an image that is like that, like that is acceptable in the place of that image on the first try. It's a, it's pretty fun. I mean, sometimes I've missed it on the first try, you know, iterate a couple of times and I'm like, Oh, there we go. That's a pretty good one. The one that was like particularly hard for mid journey to make, there was a, there was one in a mid in a um, money meeting notes a couple of weeks ago with these like scientists standing around at like a computer uh, surface, like almost like a, I don't know. It's got a lot of buttons on it, stuff like that. And they're looking in through a window at a werewolf that's on the other side of this window, like in some kind of confinement or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try to do that one in mid-journey. And that one took me uh, a few iterations to try to get that. Because, like, my prompt was, like, apparently, like, way off or something. But it's if you if you like mid-journey or if you like AI art, you know, and you like the whole uh, art and science of writing prompts, uh, that can be just, like, a fun exercise to get you to get you better at prompting. But then what what it really opens your mind up to is, like, holy crap, you know, you could, you could replace this whole art, you know, part of the, of the books with, with AI art. And you would, in some ways you would see an increase in quality because it puts out some really good images, really good. And I see Charles, I've seen you on, uh, on yeah. our mid journey server, making a bunch of stuff. What are you making those for games that you're playing? Well, the, that, I think that's going to touch a little into what our main topic is. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm going to hold off on answering that. All right. Kick that can down the road. It, on, only because I have a lot to say about AI and oh, how okay. that, how that applies to our, 
current topic for today. very cool very cool but yeah i mean so you know back to this idea of like the kickstarters and the indiegogos and stuff and, and the updates like if you just you know drop that drop that uh that wallpaper you know the iphone wallpaper the desktop wallpaper like drop that early Please, on got all some we images. want is a wallpaper <laughs> we, we raised two hundred thousand dollars to get it please just give it to us yeah but uh, but it'd be cool i'd put it on i'd slap it on my phone you know i'd be like yeah it's just coming I'll stop it on me. You know, at least I wanted to. I wanted the screen. Now you can like yeah. set multiple wallpapers and scroll between them. <laughs> all you know, what my wallpapers on my phone are—they're all like uh, images that I've made for our games on our Play by Post site. Like I, I just have them. I got so many that I can scroll between. You know, different desktops or whatever. And uh, I love that stuff. Like I love. I would absolutely put the next gen's wallpaper on there. A Sidereal's wallpaper on there. Get those things out to us. And like the T-shirt. Like man, get us the Redbubble T-shirt. And remember. Leave the part off about, leave the part off about, I'm a backer of, like, we don't want that. Just give us a really cool, like, exalted exigence, you know, from the ashes. A cool shirt like that, or a cool Sidereal's Charting Fates course, and dude, I'd get that and wear that right away. And, I uh, and wear... even some of the stuff... Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Okay, fine. I, you know what? I will. Okay. Do it. Oh, I, Stop talking I'm about doing, it. Do okay, it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you know, I've, I have two t-shirts i've gotten from kickstarter campaigns uh-huh. one of them is the dragon blooded one which uh-huh. it's not bad but i don't wear it that often because it's also not that great because it's just yeah. like i did this on all i did was back this game on kickstarter and all yeah. i got was this lousy t-shirt yeah <laughs> uh, but i have the t-shirt from the hunter the vigil campaign same company mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. It still says something about Kickstarter on there, but it has this huge art picture on it of like, yeah. it's yeah. like a nun with her fists up, like she's ready to punch someone. <laughs> and it, dude, it's, up. it's amazing. It like, she's like, yeah, come on, let's fight. And it's got a couple characters on it. And it says Hunter the Vigil Kickstarter or something on there. Yeah. That's a cool shirt. Yeah, it looks cool. It's just like, why did you pick these random symbols on this exalted shirt? You know, like the old ones. They're not random. They're the mons of the you know the different elements. But it's just what's what's cooler that or my only other exalted shirt, which has that one character with the giant sword and the yo-yo. Oh yeah, that's a cool shirt. Exactly. Visiting flare thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good shirt. Yeah. And they still to this day haven't made my just make an exalted third edition logo shirt. Oh man, where the heck yeah. out of that thing? I wear it till it till it wore out, and I get another one. You know, yeah. That's what they I do to my Pathfinder shirt. A shirt with the logo for each, uh, for each supplement. Here's your yeah. lunar shirt. Boom. Oh yeah, yeah. Different colors, you know, kind of match the the overall yeah. themes. Man, it'd be great. It's like it. To me, those are like those are no brainer ideas, and I'm I'm just like, why don't we get the no brainer? Because ideas? they're no brainer the... ideas. People, <laughs> I guess people design. It's too this simple. Stuff. Yeah, it's too simple. We have to really, really, you know, futz with this. But uh, yeah. Anyway, but the, you know, other things that are on that list that could just immediately be put out or be put out much sooner, like the quick start. The quick start's going to have like some simplified rules. It's easy to write. There's not as much art. It's not as much layout. Like you could just like crank that thing out. There's no reason why we shouldn't get the quick start before we get 
the big book if the big book needs all of this layout and all of this art and all that kind of stuff right like it would like go ahead and just make that thing i mean the writers are i mean they're done with the main thing and i know they're moving on to abyssals and other sorts of stuff like that you know but like just just go ahead and crank some of this stuff out i really do think that if you just rearrange the the development schedule just a little bit so that some of these things get like it would just it would improve the flow and the feeling of like stuff is coming which people need to feel like stuff is coming you know mm. so anyway you know to, con to contrast that i want to yeah. plug another kickstarter that i it's already over so if you're listening to this you can't join in on it but the newest well, yeah you're welcome the um the newest delta green kickstarter where mm -hmm. they have gone back to their original stuff that sets delta green in the 90s and they've th they're basically remastering it for lack of a better okay. word right like they're they're updating the look of the books to match the newer version that they put out a few years ago mm -hmm. um all the spines are going to look the same. The style of the covers are going to look similar. And That's they've, so important. They've it's also, so important to me. Dude, it, I, I wish I could show you my bookshelf, but like you would not know, oh, that was a book that was originally written in like 1999. Because it, oh, wow. it just, it looks exactly like the new ones. And wow. That's cool. Now, it backed like 10 books through all these stretch goals and there's going to be time in between those we know that but it's not five years in between each one right yeah. like it might take a few years for all 10 of those to come out mm -hmm. but it's like yeah. oh you get one and then like six months later you get another one and then like eight yeah. months later you get another one so it's like feels good it feels does good. feel good it does yeah. feel good. And that's the that's the kind of waiting that's like the good kind where you build up suspense and anticipation and then right before it gets to be so much that you're just like, I, I just got to totally forget about it and move on. Boom. Mm -hmm. New book. Yeah, that's good. And man, you mentioned this, the the covers all all sort of or the spines matching. Oh, it's I can't tell you chef's kiss, dude. I can't tell you how important that is to me. And I can't tell you how how just baffled I am. I mean, straight up legitimately baffled I am that with the uh the Trinity books, which are beautiful by the way. I I absolutely love Trinity Continuum. I think it's a great game. But when you when you line all the books up on the shelf, the Trinity Continuum aberrant book, the the title on the spine has been center justified in the middle of the spine. All of the other ones are like <laughs> left justified or top justified, right? So they start at the top. And it's like, why the heck did you do that? Like some of the some of the free league books that I have, like I play the Alien RPG and I have right. them all in physical format. And all of the text and stuff on the spines, the layout is identical but like on some of them the logo at the bottom of the spine is like an inch higher than other ones mm. and so as i look at it it almost you know it's like uh it's like a side terrain view of like a mountainous like yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> view or something topography like, to it why yeah. why is there topography in these free right. league logos like just yeah. make them all even delta green is that way it's just, mwah, oh, yeah. so good
This second, well, I look over right now. I'm looking at the uh, second edition Exalted, and that is mm, perfection. You know, like that they they did those proofs exactly right. You know, when they got all those back, <laughs> like that 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 print run is is perfection. Like it it is the it is the example of how you do an awesome RPG print run. Second edition was so great. I mean, there's a lot to love about third edition. Of course, I love the rules. I love all the expanded charm sets. I love all the color art in the inside versus the black and white on everything but the core in the old one or in the second edition. But like just from like a design of publication, second edition, I thought was like knocked it out of the park and is my example for what a role-playing game uh, published publication schedule line plan, whatever it looks like. It is I think the cat's I think the cat's pajamas on my bookshelf that I'm looking at right now are my hunter books because those mm. those all line up perfectly. They're all mm-hmm. colored. Uh, they're ah, all colored yeah. the same. Oh, dude, it's oh so man, that new world of darkness stuff. Like when that was like new and in its heyday and everything was being printed and you had the different color scheme for each line and all that stuff. I had that set up on the bookshelf. Uh, it looks so good. And I had like the, the little dice set for each one, like, you know, right at the beginning of, of each print run. And you sold them for a million dollars. sold them for so much money. Yeah. <laughs> but you know uh, what? If I could have that money back and have those books back, I'd probably have Even though I don't, even though I'm like, I'm never going to play like a Geist game. You know, I'm never going to play a vampire, the Requiem game again. We did the one for our board. I'm never going to play it again, but still. I would just love to have him back just because I just because I love books, man. I just love books. And so anyway. just b- before we move on, I just looked up Hunter the Vigil dice set on eBay. A hundred and ten dollars. Yeah, I think I sold mine for 90 like nine years ago. That's eleven dollars per die. It's it's ridiculous. And the quality of those dice is so low. Those those, those oh, are, it really, really not even like really that no. good. Oh. No, they're they're so light in the hand, and uh, they don't roll well. And and I mean, having the uh, target numbers be a different color than the others—that's a nice touch. But like, just the 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 speckled color schemes and stuff that they put together on those are like, it's like it's like a cheap Chessex knockoff. You know, it, if if they could even be speckled dice that were the same quality as Chessex, it would be like, oh well, this is this is cool, you know. But they're they're just very low quality. I, I have gotten to where I don't like uh, themed dice for anything. Like I just I, I want like regular old Chessex dice. Now there are some really cool like Chessex uh, colors and designs and stuff like that. So I have a I have a giant mountain of Chessex D10s. Dude, but um, do you know who does yeah. dice well? Freely. Who did? Freely. Yeah. Oh they're, yeah. Because like, again, with with Alien, there you have two different sets of D6s. You have your regular ones and then your base dice and then you also have stress dice and there's a face hugger in the one on stress dice and when that comes up, <laughs> bad things can happen. So like when you're rolling it and you see that face hugger come up, you're like, no. Yeah. Uh, and it's just, I really like that indicator yeah. of like, you know, you roll a 20. Oh, that's something I can talk about for our topic today. What happens when... Uh, you roll ones and twenties uh, when you're playing online. Uh, spoiler alert! Um, but like having that like visual cue of like the best thing that can happen just happen, or the worst thing that can happen right. just happen. Oh, it feels right. feels so good. Yeah, yeah. That and you know when you have special 
theme things like that. They, like the Pathfinder ones, have, they've had some cool ones in the past. I think they get, uh, um, can't remember the people that they partner with. I want to say Games Workshop, but that's <laughs> that's the uh, <laughs> the Warhammer people. Yeah. But anyway, uh... they, they partner with they partner with a Q Workshop. That's what it is, and they make some good dice. I just you know, uh, the weight is so important to me. And man, the old the old Inwad uh, dice just did not have a good weight. Are you fat anyway, shaming dice? <laughs> Let's move on from the news about things other than Exalted yeah. to, uh, <laughs> to so, so, so our sorry. message machine. We, d- we have a blinking light on the message machine. We had a little discussion uh, on our Discord about some of the things that we, d- we talked about on the last episode with um, a martial art, like designing martial arts or using a martial art for a character to produce some effects some powers and 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 things and then uh versus a weapon or like a, a an artifact with evocations and when to use one when to use the other that kind of thing and so uh there was some discussion on discord and one of the guys there he was like he was like you know i've got a lot of opinions about this and i'm like well yeah i think jim was the one that was like well then put it in a message for us so we can play it <laughs> on the air and so he's like okay i will so anyway, we've got a message here. Let me see. Let me just uh, let me find this button so I can mash it. And uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hi, I just listened to your Should I Pick Martial Art podcast. And there's a subject that wasn't discussed that I think would be nice to cover. And that's how very different those choices are if you're playing a lunar character. You spoke about playing, you're playing a solar and... You have essence one, you have two, three, maybe four choices for charms for that martial art, and that's your fighting style, those are your choices. But as a lunar, you've got those same charms plus dozens of other native lunar charms. And that can make things different as far as practicality and as far as flavor. For instance, if you're choosing to use single point shining to the void, martial arts style, that's attack, attack, attack. There's only really attacking charms in that entire tree. But as your lunar, you can simply grab one or two defensive dex charms, and you can, you can even be a defensively focused single point stylist, and that's really much different. And of course, the biggest example of this might be Deadly Beastman transformation, which, if you're doing martial arts, as an eight-foot-tall human-animal hybrid, that's a strong stylistic choice. But also, it adds your strength score as bonus dice to withering damage and soak and movement rolls. And that can make a huge difference. I mean, especially for rushes and disengages, that if you are getting a bunch of bonus dice for free and your opponent has to pay for their excellency for that, that gives you lots of extra moats in comparison to your opponent. Um, but really, martial arts for Lunars, really different. That's what I wanted to get across. Thanks. So, yeah, some very, very interesting uh, ideas here and, and really, really good ideas about how martial arts for Lunars can be so so different than other others uh exalt types just because you have so many things that that bolster your attributes and don't necessarily go into a particular ability and so because of that yeah just 
boosting your dexterity, boosting your strength, boosting your stamina. Those things are really powerful abilities for a Lunar to use, and it does actually set them quite a bit apart. Now, I, I would say also like a Solar has things that they can use too. Like there are there are uh, melee and, and brawl charms that you can uh, tie in and use with your, your martial arts. So yes, you can expand uh, the horizon of how you fight by not you know, not just taking the things, uh, the charms that are in the, the style, the martial arts style. You can supplement those with other things, you know, even even like athletics charms to, to help you move around while you are fighting. So, yes, you can you can build uh, a much more uh, sort of full full fledged uh, kind of a fighting style with other charms but I, I love the i love the focus on how lunars are very different in that regard especially in regards to you know going into deadly beastman transformation getting all those extra dice and things like that it is a very good point uh that they have some they have some bonuses that others uh just don't have and uh so martial arts looks a little different for them so very very interesting addition to the discussion and we thank you so much for your message so uh, what do you think about that charles yeah <laughs> I know you weren't here for our discussion on uh, the martial arts versus uh, using using a uh, artifact to achieve some of those results. But one of the things that I had said was that it seems like with the third edition, they expanded the charm set for, you know, for all the different exalt types. Like there, there are more solar charms in third edition than there are in second edition. And you get a lot more charm choices at character creation. So 15 versus eight. But while we have expanded melee trees and expanded martial art or <laughs> expanded brawl trees and that kind of thing that have more charms to choose from, the martial arts stayed the same, uh, the same length, the same number of charms as they did in second edition. So in second edition, if you get two or three charms for martial art, that's like like half your charm choices at, at character creation. But in third edition, if you get two or three charms from a martial art, it's only like one fifth of your uh, starting choices. So it feels like the martial arts have been reduced in, in sort of like, I don't know, not importance, but, uh, in focus because you just can't, you can't make as many meaningful choices because they didn't expand those charm lists. In fact, as I was looking at, uh, a few of them, there are actually less charms in certain, uh, styles in third edition than there are in second edition, like second edition will have 13, third edition will have 12 so they actually even reduced the number of charms uh while increasing the number of charm choices so anyway i don't know if you had anything to add about any of that stuff I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest every time it came to deciding whether i wanted to look at martial arts or sorcery <laughs> i always looked at you sorcery, sorcery. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i i don't yeah i don't really i just don't really know that much about martial arts um yeah i mean and i hate to say it, i don't think i can really add anything there just because i that that's one massive area that i don't know about really. yeah and i feel like you're missing just such a big part of the game there because that is it is it is so flavorful and iconic all of these different martial arts and and uh how your character can be just defined by those this is one of the things we talked about in the last episode just you know letting the martial art essentially define the character versus making a character and then seeing if there are any martial arts that fit the image that you've already come up with you know like mm -hmm. you really need to start with the martial art right. first unless you're going to create your own you know then right. you can do it the other way around but like yeah. shining peacock style 
that's right. That peacock. <laughs> I still, I still really feel like that was the awesome. idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, thank you for the message. And uh, this morning we want, or this episode, <laughs> spoiler alert, it's morning for us. But. Oh. Um, <laughs> And a little too early at that. Yeah. But uh, we this this episode, we want to have a discussion on something that I've wanted to talk about for actually a while, maybe even since the first season of The Deliberative. Back in the day, I wanted to have some time where we get to talk about how people play role-playing games, and Exalted uh, in particular, online. And, uh, and really what I want to get around to is how we play it online. <laughs> like, I really want to talk about how we do it. But before we get there, I want to look at this topic from like a 30,000 foot view and just look at all the ways that people play role-playing games online. Because there's some really interesting stuff happening out there. It's so weird, you know, like just in the last 20 years or so, like this hobby has changed so much from a bunch of nerds sitting around a table in a basement, you know, uh, Stranger Things style to all of the you? various ways what that's what uh, we did we were man. delightful that in that basement <laughs> <laughs> we were but that was us man so uh you know to, to all the ways that people play now and, and there are so many varied ways so um so yeah first of all the, you know the, the method that most people think about when uh they're talking about playing a role-playing game online is uh, you know, there's some sort of like voice over IP program that is being used where everybody can chat with one another, whether it be Discord or something else, uh, a screen for sharing maps and pictures of things, uh, or some kind of uh, virtual tabletop tool like a Fantasy Grounds, which uh, we have used quite a bit in the past. I even, for those of you who don't know, I even made the uh, the full uh, New World of Darkness conversion of uh, Fantasy Grounds 2 back in the day where your character sheet had all these little gems on it, one for each color of the game line. And you could click on it and it would, trans like it would if you click the red one, it would be a vampire sheet. And then if you click the, the teal one, it would transform into a hunter sheet with yeah. all of their hunter. stats Woo! and all that stuff. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I enjoyed, I enjoyed making that and we used it... Uh, we used it quite a bit for playing some hunter Man, games. That and was a like long that. time ago. It was a really long that time ago. That was like, yeah. wait, that was like 2009, yeah, 2010. Was, was, yeah, I would say, yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, because I was a pastor at the time. And yeah. I was, I, I remember because I was out at DLI in California. So it was like yeah. sometime in 2009, probably. Yeah. Huh. yeah. So anyway, that, that's what people think about when they think about playing online but uh, but charles has a lot of experience with this more so than any of the rest of us on the deliberative and um I, I figured like charles you know maybe you could talk to us a little bit about you know what are some of the necessary ingredients for an online campaign like this and what tools have you found that are best i know you've shown me some in the past you've said oh take a look at this we use this and it's awesome so what are some of the things that you play with on that and how what makes it like your best ones what are all of the uh ingredients that make it so good well firstly i just want to say that it's weird to think that i'm sitting here talking with you the guy who mm -hmm. got me into role-playing games to begin with and that mm -hmm. we're at a point where i now have more experience in a certain area of role-playing games than you do that's kind <laughs> of it's kind of weird right it's like yeah. it's like einstein's math teacher is like oh right. well <laughs> you know um <laughs> yeah not that i'm einstein that's not what I, but you get what i'm saying it's just kind of <laughs> a weird it's a weird concept to grasp um i run a lot 
a lot of online games. I run five games a <laughs> yeah, week. Yeah, you do. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, so you want to know what? I'm sorry. What was your question again? What? Just like what? What ingredients make a like your the most successful ones? Like what? What are the things that you would say? Like this is what makes it the best. Like when it's the so, best, these are the things that make it the best. So there are a couple of easy answers. One one of the easy answers is um, whatever makes it easy to run. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the other easy answer and more correct answer I think is the one that allows people to have the most fun for mm-hmm. me and again this is going to change for every every GM every table and every game potentially for me what makes a good online campaign is uh, other other than the actual story that you're playing right let's forget the Let's forget the individual game that you're running, the individual adventure, right? That's almost a mm-hmm. separate. That's a separate thing. What makes right. a good uh, a good game in a virtual setting for me is something that allows me to immerse the players with visuals, with music, with sound cues, uh, and mm. also that provides. Again, this is system dependent, um, but allows automation that's more important in Mm. mechanic dense games like pathfinder and less important in uh very theater of the mind rules light games like knight's black agents which is like Mm -hmm. jason bourne meets bram stoker's dracula um but like primarily it is a platform that is stable that doesn't crash all the time that makes it easy for me to put up images, maps, uh, you know, any anything like that, some kind of visual cue, as well as easy integration and recall of music or audio cues. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that's pretty interesting, and and I think um, I've definitely seen and, and heard and used a lot of that stuff uh, in various platforms before but i want to i want to uh look at something that you that you mentioned there the, the whole automation issue uh-huh. uh because i personally hate that part well of, you're uh, wrong but continue <laughs> <laughs> well and you know you we we did a little thing when we were first trying to get back into uh playing our play-by-post game where we were i was going to like train people in how to do exalted rules and combat again and all that kind of stuff and we decided we'd do it over uh discord and maybe use like roll 20 or what what, what were we using that we were night? using foundry foundry okay so foundry is one of the software i guess you'll talk about that, that is, that's second, my but, uh, number one tool of choice that's your go-to yeah. okay so we were we were using foundry and you know we had we had new players on there who hadn't you know really ever looked at this kind of stuff before, mm-hmm. and old players coming back that needed like refreshers. And uh, the I think you were using some sort of foundry thing that had been created they, by they somebody had, else. Yeah. So to be clear, it was not an official thing. Like foundry, right. foundry has official game systems. Like I purchased the Pathfinder Second Edition rules on Foundry. Mm-hmm. Right. I've purchased the alien RPG rules on Foundry. So that has um, that has some of the books, some -hmm. of the mechanics built in. There's a team of people that are paid to keep that stuff up at that time. And well, even right now, there's not an official exalted one. Uh, Right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident there's not. But at that time, it yeah. definitely wasn't official. It was a fan project, and they had mm-hmm. one for Exalted 3rd Edition and for Exalted Essence. So what we yeah. were using was very nascent. Uh, yeah. and, and add to the fact, Foundry was still fairly new at that time. Right. Yeah. Well, whatever was happening there, it sucked. Um, and, and the reason the reason it sucked is that it just it didn't it didn't get things right. And and I I, I almost well, now, feel like on. some part of that of, part of it was because I had not used it before, and we, yeah. we figured out like, oh, I I see what they're wanting you to do. I see why it wasn't counting things right because right. I thought I should have clicked this. But it was already counting that or something, something along those right. lines. So there was, to be fair, a, f- a significant amount of user error in user that error. trial. Sure. But, you know, one thing that I the thing that I hate about it and, and that I hated about it for that night in particular was like you have new players who are coming along who really need to understand like how their dice pools are being formed and why they're mm-hmm. rolling more dice to attack because they're using their weapons accuracy bonus, uh, you know, when they're doing a withering attack and then why it's like, um, why they're not using that on decisive attacks. And all, like, there's, there are a lot of things that I feel like are important for the player to really like have a real good grasp on, especially as they're making characters, as they're thinking about how to advance their characters, they really need to know how the math is being performed behind the scenes. And when, and even if you had a perfect system, right? A perfect system that's, that could somehow intuit everything you need to know about exalted rolling. Because I feel like there's so many things that get added that futzing around with the computer system to make sure all of your different bonuses, like with charms and everything else, like just messing around with that to try to get it to do the right thing is like almost just a nightmare in and of itself. Like you're feeding a monster rather than using something that helps you. You know, it, it would be easier to just like calculate it in your head and then go, okay, roll me 18 dice rather than than say, okay, I'm going to push this button, but wait, I need to... I need to add some stuff from these various charms. How many how many times do I need to push the plus button so, to get the? So I it's, just don't it's like that. interesting because I think, well, first off, Exalted Third Edition is very much a rules heavy kind of game, right? Lots of rules, right. lots of edge cases. Uh, well, while, it's, it's exception based. Every yes. single charm is an exception to the rule. Yes, yeah. and there's hundreds of those. Thousands right, of those. exactly. Now, another game that is like that is Pathfinder. It's it, maybe it's not an exception-based game, but there Mm-mm. are lots of edge cases where it's like, oh, well, if you're 35 feet away from the cleric who has a bless spell out, you don't get a you don't get that plus one to your attack. But if you move five mm-hmm. feet and then attack, then it needs to add another one to your attack, right? So there's lots of right. location-based bonuses, all this kind of stuff that adds in. I think, mm-hmm. I think that autom- wanting to use automation and not wanting to use automation in systems like that are both valid and it just mm-hmm. depends on it depends on what the individual finds easiest right so if i'm running yeah. if i'm running pathfinder 2 which by the way on foundry is incredible they have it set up where when your cleric has an aura that gives you uh, a plus one to your attack or when the bard mm-hmm. inspires courage to everyone within 30 feet when your mm-hmm. character moves within 30 feet on that map it automatically right. adds that and then when right. you roll it will automatically add that in it's it's mm-hmm. it's crazy it's crazy mm-hmm. now 
I would agree that Exalted has way more exceptions and exceptions that are far harder to account for than Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. But I think these Mm -hmm. are pretty close analogs to one another, all things considered. So I, for me, um, managing multiple enemies, that automation is a lifesaver. Uh, mm-hmm. My Tuesday yeah, night game that. is second edition, but we play it in Tailspire, which uh, is like a 3D tabletop. And oh, yeah. while that's really cool because the visual immersion is amped up to 100, there is mm-hmm. zero automation. And that makes mm. that makes my job a lot harder. It makes combat run a lot more slowly. Uh, Mm -hmm. but the trade-off is that it allows us to do something that amplifies another aspect of the game, in this case, visuals, right? Right. Um, But at the same time, the players in that game also have a fairly high level of system mastery, so it's Mm -hmm. not as big a hit as it would be for, let's say... um, Well, I I don't have a 2E group of all brand new players. But let's say that I, let's Mm -hmm. say that my Friday night group is like, we're all first time players to second edition. I don't know that Tailspire would be the best thing. Would it make them have to learn the rules? Well, I mean, obviously yes, because there's no automation, but that also means there's a, there's a much higher barrier to entry. And when the automation and foundry is so good, I don't really see for that game in particular, a downside to using something that has so much and such consistent and high quality automation. Right. Now, if well, in in my Tuesday game, again, the Tailspire one that doesn't have automation, we have uh, one player who is still newer to second edition. So what mm. I've done is I've created a Foundry instance for that game and he mm-hmm. makes his roles in foundry whereas whereas the other guys are rolling physical dice or they're rolling the digital dice in tailspire and then adding stuff up themselves i think both of those things are are fine there's there are pros and cons to both but i think it so heavily depends on the game system the tabletop that you're using and the level of system mastery that the individual players or even the storyteller for the game has in that system sure sure yeah and i was thinking you know i've got a i've got a a guy who's played with me and and uh, my daughter several times and he has a daughter that comes over we'll we'll play some pathfinder second edition and and he is the kind of guy who just like he's never going to read the book he's never going to memorize the rules he's not in it for that he doesn't care about that he would be he would like super rather have something that just automated so that he could focus on man i just want to play this game you know whereas like my mind the way my mind works is like i want to play these mechanics you know like <laughs> like i love the mechanical aspect of the whole thing like that's my favorite part i like i like having to remember that you have to be 30 feet away from the you know from the bard or whatever to get that plus one like that's the kind of thing that that makes me geek out you know so there are definitely i'm sure that that people are going to fall on different sides of this based on like what kind what which one of those you know groups they fall into i mean i enjoy the story too but i i really just i i, I just it, kind of adore again, it the game also mechanics. it also kind of depends because like i think i think the draw of certain games 
is the complexity of the mechanics, right? People don't mm-hmm. play Pathfinder First Edition uh, because it's easy to play. <laughs> they play it because there are so many rules and options that you can build any kind of character you want, and the game rewards you for extreme system mastery and eking out every mm-hmm. additional plus one or plus two that you can right. get. But then you right. have games like... Uh, well, I'll just say Free League, right? All of their Year mm-hmm. Zero engine games, uh, Tales from the Loop, Alien, Coriolis. While they while they have mechanics and those have edge cases, it's really just you roll a you roll a pool of dice, and if you get at least a success, you do the thing, because mm-hmm. that's that's what you're wanting out of out of those kind of games. They're far more narrative. Uh, mm-hmm. and story-centric than mechanics-centric. Like, Alien is not a game that you're going to play because these mechanics are incredible. The mechanics serve the kind of story that that game tells, right? Yeah, gotcha. And yeah. so, like, it, it would be much easier to play Alien without automation because it requires almost none, right? Right. But, like... Right. Games that have so many edge cases, mm-hmm. I think, really stand to benefit from some level of automation, right? And I'm but even the, saying the catch like, twenty two with that is though that like they, that's the hard those are the hardest ones to create the automation for. That is true. And so and so you just you're either going to get some incomplete version of it where you're just never able to trust the computer, and that's been my my experience with almost everything like i don't trust the computer to get my junk right you know like i need to look and, and make sure that every <laughs> plus one and minus one is where it needs to be and uh and so i feel well, like hang that's, on. When, that's you gonna say be the when you say that what are what are you using and for what game that you're not trusting it because that also matters if you're using um if you're using some brand new fan made thing well, right. even like back in Pathfinder First Edition with the uh, hero, what is it called? Hero, the oh man, the thing that everybody used there for a while. Uh, even the glass cannon used it. Uh, I want to say Hero Forge, not Hero Forge, but um, anyway, there was there's mm. some, and it's like it's really well known. Uh, hero Lone Labs, Wolf. Hero Lab, yeah. So Hero Lab is not it does not always have every bonus in the right place you know but it's and it is it is 99 percent of the time though. i know but that that's what the thing is like you just can't you can't trust and like I'm, I'm one of these that even in my work right we have all these various uh master templates set up for all kinds of orders and i'm the guy that like hates the master template like i don't want to have you fill in all of the information on this order that i'm putting in i want to have to think through every aspect of it to make sure that this is getting everything that has and maybe that's just like my you know kind of anal personality or whatever where i just want to make sure i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) can we say extreme anal and still keep the clean rating i don't know but uh I mean, but this is this is why I'm saying it, it depends on the game, it depends on the platform, it depends on the people playing, and it depends on the person running it. Because I'll be honest, right. um, if I find out if if I'm running a game and the the monster goes and I I do its mm-hmm. turn and like oh man that spell didn't land that would have been. That would have been really cool to hit one of the players with that spell, right? And the next guy goes, mm-hmm. and the next guy goes. And then I realize, oh, the monster had 
I don't know, elevation. So it should have gotten another plus one, which would have hit. Oh, like that kind of bums mm-hmm. me out. But I'm, I'm also at the point where it's like, okay, like m- mistakes, mistakes are going to happen even when you're not using automation. So if, if that right. is the case, if mistakes are guaranteed over a period of time to happen with or without mm-hmm. automation, then what makes my life easier in between mistakes? Is it not sure. using automation or using automation? And right. I think I guess I guess I like you know if if I mess up and then later we go oh crap we messed that up we learned something if the machine messes it up and we never know that the machine messes it up it it just you don't learn anything you know and so well that's I kind still, of I don't know I still think I think you're assuming that you can't learn when the system gets it wrong and that I mean that isn't true because how do you learn that you mess something up when you're playing in your basement somebody goes hey we should oh guess what i should have added this thing on when we did that i'm like oh yeah you know so oh we'll get that right next time but that's not different when you're playing virtually because well, it kind of be... is it depends how if so it, if it just left something out and then you know you never knew it because it just gave you a result you know you don't even know if it left it out or not you know that, that's what i'm saying i don't know but i think it's even hard to learn when it's getting everything right because you don't have to learn it. The machine's just kind of doing it for you. But again, again, it's like, I, I absolutely know people who would 1,000 times over choose the automation over the not automated. I am just one of those people that's very weird about wanting to really revel in the mechanics. And so I would choose the non Move into the new like century, that. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird because I'm going to, I'm going to present something in a minute that where I actually was, was, uh, was actually desiring more automation. Oh, but, let's uh, hear which, it. Let's which, hear it. What is well, it? We'll get to okay. it. We'll get to right. it when we get down. Very to well, very well. But, but <laughs> moving on past the, you know, we've, we've talked a little bit about foundry, talked a little bit about, uh, you said, uh, something spire. Tail spire. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Are there other ones that are? And Wait, I mentioned do Fantasy not, Grounds. Do you not know what Tailspire is? You sent it to me when you first started messing around with it. Okay, you sent so me like a link for, to anyone, it. for anyone it. listening, real quick, Foundry is basically like, what if Roll20 was good? I'll just say it. Roll20 sucks. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it is garbage. Um, Foundry is like, man, what if like Roll20 was just good? And that's right. what it is. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> Tailspire is like you know those um oh what's the name of the company the dwarven yeah dwarven forge dwarven yeah. forge and they make those physical like not ceramic but like really heavy plastic yeah. dungeon terrain and stuff you can build stuff mm-hmm. which is cost prohibitive for most people right it's wildly yeah. expensive but understandably so because it's gorgeous and from everything that I hear it's really high quality and it's modular right. right? Um, mm-hmm. Tailspire is basically the digital version of that, uh, yeah. where you can build maps. Uh, it has a little bit of music integration with it as well. Uh, and you can, from Hero Forge, you can design and purchase digital 3D tokens that you can drop right mm-hmm. into it. So like for yes. our Curse of the Crimson Throne game that we play on Tuesday, I got a subscription to Hero Forge, so I get a certain number of free tokens a month in air quotes you know Mm -hmm. i'm paying for them but you can design them and then redeem them for a credit and bring them right in so like when those custom gray maidens show up that only appear 
in that adventure path, boom, I've mm. got a token just for those ones. Nice. Or when that important NPC shows up, boom, there's a token that looks, I mean, as close as you can get it with the limitations. Tailspire oh, is just, cool. oh, it's so cool. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Fantasy Grounds, which uh, is just kind of like a, a, a simple way to share maps, <laughs> to share documents with people, to roll dice. I, uh, hope, you know, there's like... I hope someone who loves Fantasy Grounds listens to this and hears you say the word simple in regards to it and has an aneurysm <laughs> the, the problem the problem with fantasy grounds hoping for people to have no, aneurysms I, I, that's, now. I what have we come to Charles yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well look how far we've fallen no um fantasy grounds the main problem with fantasy grounds is it is hard to learn how to use it's like it's like never having used a mac you know, growing right. up your whole life, you're in your 30s, right? And you're a working professional using computers. And then your company switches to Apple products. And you're like, I feel like I've never used technology before. It's not that See, it's I hard to use. It's just that it's nothing like anything you've used before. Um, so much better, though. Well, I switched to Mac in my 30s. <laughs> I switched my whole household to it. And it was like, it was a glorious transition. I mean, transition. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have spent... <laughs> I've spent more than $1,500 on Fantasy Grounds stuff oh for my, my games. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy so cow. I love Fantasy Grounds. Now, I've since moved to Foundry because yeah. it's just easier to use. Um, right. But I still have my Fantasy Grounds stuff, and I could go back to mm -hmm. it anytime I wanted. Um, Fantasy Grounds has a ton of really good first-party stuff that you can buy. Mm -hmm. Saves you time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it has tons of automation that is really good. And just like Foundry, it's customizable as well if you know how to do that. So, mm -hmm. uh, Well, yeah, and that, it was so easy to me that I immediately like went under the hood and started reprogramming the Lua, uh, the Lua script for the whole thing like, and just rewrote it to be a, a World of Darkness thing. I mean, like I found it to be super simple. I mean, it's, it just because of what it is. It's like get together with people, you talk. You have a place to share map. You have a place to share images. You got, you know. Now, when you're trying to build in all the automated stuff, maybe that's where it gets complicated. But no, just as a system, that's not where it gets complicated. Just as a system of sharing <laughs> the things that you want to share to play a role playing game, it was it was very simple. Um, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yes, that is yeah. true. Yes, yeah. so actually, using fantasy grounds is hard. If you just want to slap a picture on someone's screen, it's not hard. Yeah, put a map up, show where people are on the map. Here, here's a picture of what this, you know, creepy warehouse looks like. <laughs> you know, here's a, like it was it was very simple to do that. Stuff. Yes. And, uh, do you remember the uh, in my in my sort of like redesign of it? I made the uh, the main screen be like a cork board mm -hmm. with uh, so it was, it was like a bulletin board or something yeah. like that. And the pictures that you share were in uh, were in Polaroid yeah. <laughs> uh, frames, so you were like, and, and they had like a little thumbtack on it, so it was like you were thumbtacking Polaroids to the to the board, and then uh, the map was like this like kind of ripped up piece of paper, like graph paper or whatever that I had like crumpled it a bunch of times and uncrumpled it, and then took a picture of it and like made it into this big texture that could scale. So you had like this big crumply piece of like map that was pinned to the board. Like I see, I had a blast doing all that kind now, of stuff. I got the we fun. were doing that stuff a long time ago, but now virtual stuff is so mainstream 
that yeah. uh, the makers of Delta Green very recently put out these two asset packs where it has um, it basically has the digital assets to create one of those yarn thumbtack conspiracy boards, right? Where okay. they yeah. have mm-hmm. they have post-it notes, they have burned post-it notes, crumpled ones, stained ones of like oh, seven wow. different colors for each stage of degradation. They have different oh, colored thumbtacks, different colored string. So you can just slap that stuff up on a virtual tabletop. It, That's it's, so cool. It's incredible. It's incredible. That's what I was trying to do back in the day was make that kind of a look. And it and it did. It looked like that. Now, of course, I think like back in that time, we were using monitors with like, <laughs> what, like 640 by 40? No, maybe it wasn't that long ago. But it was like, <laughs> How like, old do you like think it, we are? <laughs> I mean, I, do, I don't think we had flat screens at that time. I think we were still using CRT, you know. But oh, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, that's crazy long ago. But yeah, we... I tried to make it look like that, and now it's so cool to think that people are, are like, continuing that. Because I had main, little post-it the notes main on there too. Company. My text notes were post-it notes. My photos were Polaroids. You know, and that's and how they they've got had... this set up too. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I wonder if they stole it from me. Uh, I bet they did. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, go but, with that. Uh, yeah, going. good luck, good luck. We're suing going with that. Uh, company. No, I'm not suing them. I, I, you know, <laughs> I tried to give all that stuff to White Wolf back. I was like, look, I made all this stuff for Fantasy Grounds. And I don't even care to just like say you guys own this now. I would just like for some official people to take over the the development, you know, and like add more stuff, you know, like because I'm not going to put all kinds of books on there, all the other crap that people were doing with Fantasy Grounds at the time. But like I made all your character sheets and I made this cool thing for it, you know, like you could like honestly you could just have it, you know, or if you want to like bring me on and have me, you know, work with you, like I don't mind doing any of that stuff. Like here you go, but they they didn't care, strangely. Corey, but, uh, or maybe not so strangely i cared i loved that hunter <laughs> module that you made uh, uh, yeah but uh you know last question about this kind of online play are what are what are some of the drawbacks or downsides to playing role-playing games online in this kind of like virtual tabletop well, type okay so scenario other other than the things we've already said which is uh, inconsistencies with automation um right right uh price like i i kid you not Ooh, i've yeah. spent more than fifteen hundred dollars on fantasy ground yeah. stuff for and, and a lot of times you have to double buy your books you you buy the physical book for yourself and then you got to buy it again in whatever vtt that right you, but that's why i also decided if i'm gonna start doing this in fantasy grounds i'm not also going to buy the books because it, it okay so you just buy the yeah the because it just version. it became too expensive actually you know now that i say that it was for first edition. I already had most of those books, but when yeah. it when it yeah, came to buying the adventure again. paths, I I bought them in in um oh no, you know what? Fantasy Grounds does this thing with Pathfinder, where when I bought it on Fantasy Grounds, I could link it to my Paizo account, and uh, I could get the PDF for like seven dollars. Gotcha. And it was like yeah. at that price point, it's a no brainer. Yeah, because you know, because it's essentially you pay the price of the PDF. (laughs) Well, no, but you pay the price of the PDF that it was on the website. If you paid that full price, that's the same as um, getting the module and then the discounted PDF as well. So, like those two things worked really well. So, other yeah, but still, cost is a big deal. Right. Uh, So we've got what automation woes 
we've got cost Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. the other shoot man i forgot what your exact question was what was it (laughs) let's just say what are some of the drawbacks and downsides drawbacks right the other drawback the main drawback is uh it actually kind of goes hand in hand with cost is time to prep something Mm. um now there was a while where i was building stuff in the, the mostly back in actually no i guess it wasn't foundry it doesn't matter fantasy grounds foundry stuff i was adventure paths i was having to build because um i couldn't buy the thing right and mm-hmm. i i started keeping track of it specifically like these are all the steps i need to input a full adventure path right um mm-hmm. art tokens copy paste the text into the vtt um create npcs attach the tokens um audit the audit the npc mechanics you know like make sure all their spells and stuff are in there you know and i had all these steps that i had to go through and i would keep track and i do them all in order like okay i'm gonna rip all the art out of the book done that took me that took me 20 minutes i'm gonna now make tokens for everything in the book which sometimes meant i had to go online and search you know like pathfinder rpg uh edder cap and i'd rip that make a token cool that took me 30 minutes and then you're also having to think uh naming conventions like how are you going to name tokens so they don't get mixed up with the art so you can easily find it in the file repositories and stuff and copying pasting text but you know sure copying and pasting text from PDFs. sometimes there's weird line breaks so you're having to go through and you know Mm. you know delete space delete space delete space and get everything on even lines right it's very very time intensive if you want to have everything in your vtt again assuming a product that you can't already buy in there it's i mean it's dozens of hours dozens i probably for wrath of the righteous that was one of the ones i built in the foundry i probably spent 80 hours putting in like the first four books three or four books it's roughly I want to say 20 to 25 hours. Now, I'm, I'm probably way better at that now. And there have been changes. Like, you can just open PDFs within Foundry. There's, like, a native nice. PDF viewer. So that's a whole mm-hmm. thing I don't have to do. And that was a, that right. was a pretty big time sink as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think that is the number one drawback to running it online. Yeah. Because when I run it at my table... I don't worry about like setting up stat blocks. You just run it out of the books and you figure out like, I don't remember what that spell does. Let me look it up real quick. But when you're setting it up in a VTT, you're like, okay, I have to let me now, let me open the spells. Okay. You're looking at the stat block. You look at the little spell browser, drag and drop, look back at the stat block, look at the spell browser, drag and drop. Like it's really time intensive especially sure, sure. when you're building a 20th uh you know a 23rd level wizard in a pathfinder yeah. game like a pathfinder yeah. first edition game that i mean it could take it could take 20 minutes to build Karzug's <sighs> stat block like the main bad guy in the first adventure path. yeah yeah i don't know no thanks <laughs> however <laughs> yeah, however that... <laughs> i was kind of 
I was kind of like you in how I prepped. I prepped everything as mm-hmm. perfectly as I could. Now, I really only do as much as I need to because I understand right. having to having done so that. much, I'm like, well, that's a waste. Yeah. That's a waste. Sure. I can grab yeah. I can grab pictures of editor caps on the fly. I don't need to do that ahead of time. I'll just use active game time to grab that real quick it's not a big deal right sure but but that yeah, is, a, that is also big... a process i would say learning yeah. that is yeah. both a pro but kind of a con because that takes a lot of trial and error to figure out right. what do i need to what do i need to spend my time on and what can i save time on exactly yeah it's it's all a learning process and all yeah so you've you got to you've got to like really dive in headfirst into this uh, into this world of ETTs and all that kind of stuff to really get up to speed with it. But of course, the other big drawback to just playing online is you know not having people around. Of course, to yeah, I mean the reason you're doing it online is not because you'd rather do that over just spending time at the table with somebody, but just because of how distributed we all are you uh, know, geographically these days. I I don't know that you I would can... almost. Really? Yeah. You would almost well, go like hear, hear me because out. of all your tools and everything. Hear, hear me out. I understand it, it. It is a different experience playing right. online than playing in person. It absolutely is. I am able to run better quality games online than I can in person, yeah. though. And so, yeah, but I mean, yes, you can put more quality of like the the stuff into it. But you miss, I mean, you really miss the people, you know. Well, let me, let um, me, let me tell you about my Saturday night game to, to tell you why. I don't think it's as big of an issue as you think it might be. My Saturday night group is like my forever group. Those are my, like, my real life friends that have since moved on. Like my Navy buddies and a couple people that I did meet in a purely online sense but they live mm-hmm. in New York, so we met up a few times at a Glass Cannon podcast thing, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I've met them. I'm close with all these people in this game, right? We use Discord for voice. We use video. So, like, we have our faces. We're laughing. We have mm-hmm. inside jokes. The only mm-hmm. difference is they're not in the room. But given high-speed internet, high-fidelity video... Uh, high fidelity, low latency video and voice. Right. I don't really think like granted, I would rather, I think it would be cool if we all managed to get in one place and play in person, mm-hmm. the game would not be as good, but the time spent would be better. Yeah. But that's all I'm saying. But I like, think yeah, it's, you, you, I do think it's kind of marginal at this point. Maybe. I don't know. I, I really can't stand playing online. That's why I don't do it. I, I just I absolutely loathe it. <laughs> I know you, you enjoy are it, but missing like, out, dude. You're I can't out. stand it, and I can't stand watching other people do it either. Well, it's like that's the a, worst. That's a separate thing. I'm actually kind of with you like on the this. Worst content of it. Like you go to YouTube, which by the way, okay. So let's talk about. Uh, we've talked about playing online and all that kind of stuff, but then there's also some people who have recorded their gaming sessions. I used uh, doing to do it that, that way, but mostly as yeah. like is a way to like i miss playing in person with my marine buddies like the first Mm -hmm. game i ran to fruition age of worms i ran with my friends in the marine corps and Mm -hmm. we talk about every time we talk that campaign comes up 
no matter what right. we're talking about like oh my dad just right. died yeah you know whose dad died bill the blacksmith in age of worms oh, no. like, do you remember that no, don't do that no it wasn't <laughs> nothing like that but like that's uh yeah. <laughs> that's such a touchstone in out yeah. in all of our friendships but i don't right. have any way to go back and relive it other than a couple pictures from the last session that my wife took right so i did start recording one of my games as a way to just to go back and relive it, it yeah you know yeah. but then i stopped yeah. it's really high effort <laughs> it is and and very low payout but uh but there are people who have recorded themselves doing it and and now i just want to like focus mainly on like the exalted part of this thing because there are people who have recorded their exalted sessions on youtube and like i said i absolutely hate watching these i am just not a fan it's not that like the people or the story or anything like that is bad it just the the pacing of it it is so like not made for audience you know like like made for an audience uh which is like so different like you know you think about how uh somebody like glass cannon how they make their show it's almost like not fun for them to even play the game because they're making it for an audience they they play differently you know and they cut a lot of stuff out whatever but like when you just watch people's like raw a video of them playing and you don't know those people oh, like and it just takes stream. forever yeah oh gosh it's just the most god-awful thing i hate watching it but i have watched a couple and there are some exalted ones on youtube uh the one that i've watched the most that that uh i guess was probably the least painful to watch was the essence actual play that some of the onyx path people did uh, when they were putting together the essence version of the rules. Can, and I can really I, appreciate that. Can I just say that. at the top of this section, I haven't heard of a single one of these. <laughs> really? No. Well, well essence we, we, actual we play. Yeah. Little, yeah, we we all watched a little bit of that when that was coming out because that was right when we were getting back right. with the uh, deliberative second <laughs> breath and we were our first episode was like let's tick everybody off with our review of essence and and uh, we actually did do Mission quite a bit of, uh, <laughs> yeah we did a lot of research into it even watching them play all this stuff but uh anyway i will say i appreciated the way that the the, the players like dressed up as their characters for that thing i've seen a lot of actual plays where they've done that and especially ones that are featured on the uh the Onyx Path and the ones that are featured on the, the uh, Glass Cannon Network stuff, they like they tend to dress up as their character. I think that that is awesome, that that is like almost like required. If you're going to video this thing, at least dress up like your character. It makes it so much better. But the uh, the Essence actual play was, uh, was like kind of in the decent side of things. I mean, it's still like four-hour videos. Gosh, man. I don't even want to sit and watch a two-hour movie. I, I, I tried to watch scream for the first time uh two nights ago i'd never seen any of the screams and Wait, so i yeah i know what? anyway yeah no yeah i never saw the first one yeah so anyway <sighs> i was just looking at, like what movies are available on paramount plus because that's like one of the only streaming services i have right now and look here's scream and so i sit down and watch i made it through like a third of it before i fell asleep like, i just can't watch anything that's like long anymore and these people are like here's my four and a half hour you know actual play i'm like oh gosh like could you give me a five minute cut of the thing but uh but yeah so the essence one it's decent uh it really shows off i think some of the problems with the essence rules like i just i'm i'm really not a fan of that rule set as is very well known and punished, but, uh, <laughs> no really anyway, go, it, it, go on a little bit more <laughs> <laughs> but uh but it was it was decent like it, it was it was well you know i enjoyed watching the characters in there you know uh, but if you if you like watching actual play, the essence actual play, you've probably already seen it, but it's out there and it's pretty good. RPG Blender, 
Uh, they're another one on YouTube. They also do a podcast uh, that I have listened to a few episodes, and I don't know how they got on later in that show, but I know at the beginning of their story, uh, those people did not know the rules very well. <laughs> and it bothered the crap out of me. Like listening to like, Oh no, what? Like you're supposed to be an exalt, dude. What the heck? You know? And why didn't you use this ruler? What do you think you're doing? Why didn't you do that as a battle? Group? Like I was just like, so critical now it like i enjoy the banter and the and the the the, the guys that are on that show they, they're like fun to listen to but whew, boy some of that some of that rules mechanic stuff was like it was like a spike in my underwear i did not enjoy that but um a but yeah, spike still... in your underwear thank you that's <laughs> part of my know. that's part of my life tapestry now i have to live okay. with that <laughs> Uh, there's one that's called just exalted uh, 3e <laughs> dragon blooded on youtube they have a lot of episodes of that but it really just has like their shared screen on there that has like their map and different uh share handout things that they're putting up there it doesn't have any of their faces uh you know no video of their faces or anything so i don't know if you're into that th that's there uh there's a channel called bean duck <laughs> is such a great name for a youtube channel but there's yeah it's called bean duck and they have a series called full party that uh it, it actually it's an exalted series it looks pretty good like they, the way that they've done the videoing whatever there's like two couples and each couple is like on their own screen and it uh, looks actually really cool i i watched just a, a little bit of it but um that one apparently has a pretty big following in the exalted community also so if you're looking for a good one i might start there there's also some others like uh, the Congenials, uh, Exalted the Congenials and Fate Breakers that uh, look like somebody just put up their audio recordings that they had intended for a podcast and then like double posted it on YouTube. So uh, if certain people use YouTube as like a podcast type source, well, those things are out there too. And that brings me to podcasts. Uh, so people do record their online games, their actual plays as podcasts. And these are a lot better for me because I like just do it, you know, listening to them while I drive. I have a, you know, 30 minute commute or something like that. So I like listening to podcasts and that's, that's the place where I, if I'm ever going to listen to one of these actual plays, that's where it's going to be. And, uh, but I have had a, a pretty hard time of finding ones that I like, uh, that are exalted podcasts. Of course, we always talk about the glass cannon as being like the gold standard mm -hmm. for role-playing game podcasts, but that's Pathfinder. Uh, but you know, an exalted, you do have that RPG blender. Like I said, was also on YouTube, but they, you know, they kind of start, uh, you know, not so great with the rules, but it's a pretty good story. Uh, the fate breakers, which I mentioned, uh, they, they put theirs on, um, YouTube as just audio. Uh, theirs is, is up as well. And the first one, the first one I ever listened to that was a third edition one was swallows of the South. <laughs> And I remember back, back in our first days of the deliberative, like five years ago, uh, I was, I was telling the other guys about this one. I think we all listened to it a little bit and, uh, you know, swallows of the South. It it's like, they, they kept going for a really long time. I don't know how many episodes, like 60, 80, like they put a bunch of episodes out there, but man, that to me, it was like, they didn't know what exalted was supposed to be. You know, I understand that they're, they're like using the system they're using the the setting but it was like they didn't know what an exalt was you know their characters all seemed like really weak and uh and just like you know not like they they did not 
like make you think epic hero like at any time during that thing and uh <laughs> and it, in a lot of ways just the audio is like kind of hard to listen to and i know charles you 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 personally did not have a good time with look with swallowing I, this out. I don't know any of the people that do it so this is nothing against yeah. them personally but i think it is tantamount to those tracks of heavy metal and baby screaming that people play to torture people. I think <laughs> I think it is an auditory That's... crime. Oh, please. And, and what why why do you say that? I it's uh, okay, it's impossible to listen to. They've edited out almost every single second of recording that is not active speech. So it's like it's it is a nonstop barrage of of speech. It, it's yeah. it's it's weaponized podcasting. <laughs> yeah, they've taken out like every breath, every second of silence, like every everything single is taken out. one. It's unreal. Yeah. It's on. Un, it's inhuman. It is it's just inhuman. very inhuman. Yes, it sounds it, like when when um when I was doing a podcast for a while. Um, of my games again mostly for posterity so I could go back and just listen to those games I wanted it to sound like we left imperfections in so that it sounded right. like you were just in the room listening to us play yeah. a game right and I mean yeah. there are cons to recording it that yeah. way but well, like I just said with the others that were on YouTube it's like man I just can't stand just sitting there looking at you guys just try to play this thing for four sure hours. but Ugh, it, but it you know. felt it felt organic you would you would have to yeah, admit it yeah. felt organic. This is like yeah, this, this is like watching that. hot dogs be made. And you're <laughs> like, this is this is unnatural. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what it reminds me of is like I have a friend who's like hundred percent blind. Like he's like he not like legally blind, like he's like hundred percent blind. And um and he he's actually a, a role playing fan, by the way. And he's played a game with us before on our uh, oh, playbook yeah. uh forum. But uh, but he he uses a screen reader. Uh, with, with his, he, man, he is like amazing with uh, the way that he can get around a computer and do all this stuff. Like I mean, but the screen reader like reads to him constantly, like and it's really fast. Like he has the he has the volumes or the the speed of the the speech. Well, as like, you would really if you relied on it to read everything. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it's telling him like everything that's on the screen and all this kind of stuff. It's it's, it's phenomenal what it does. Uh, Jaws, I think, is the name of the program that he uses. But uh, he was he was like telling me that uh, he was at some place where like a bunch of blind folks were like looking at computer options. Like, I guess it was some sort of like convention, you know, for some of this stuff, like using these computer assisted ways of of uh, uh, helping blind people. And they had this new I think it was Apple, actually, that that came out with a new screen reader voice that that like they were demoing it on stage and it took a breath. Like the computer went, you know, and like oh. took a breath and all of the, the people that were there, like all these blind people who rely on this stuff, they like, they like cooed as like, oh my gosh, it's amazing. You know, like they were, they were like so enamored with this because it brought some humanity back to like what they were listening to, you know? And, uh, and I, anyway, I think about that when I think about Swallows of the South, like, like, it's sometimes it's good to hear that we're human. Mm -hmm. like we have to draw breath. It's a thing that we do. 
<laughs> so um, anyway, why, why are you but drawing that's breath one. like that? You need to go to the doctor if you're drawing <laughs> breath like that. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's one that's out there. It, it lasted a long time. You know, I got to where actually, you know, at first I hated it because it was so like weak and non-exalted. But then like as I listened to it more and more, I actually just kind of ended up sort of like I, I, I sort of got the joke, I guess, a little bit. And I and I could enjoy it. Wait, and I listened to kind of a lot of it. Well, I mean, you know, they're like they're like pet detectives almost. You know, it's it's kind of like they're trying to just oh. they're trying to be real tongue in cheek, but they're doing it like real deadpan. And then with all of the you know silence and breath stuff like taken out, it just kind of comes across as like as kind of funky. But there is some funny stuff there, and you get used to those personalities. And some of them, like there was one uh, Ariston, one of the characters on there that I just I just cracked up every time she was on screen. But anyway, so that's out there and of course there's also wild shape which didn't last very long just a single episode broken into two parts but uh we tried to do one like this because we thought it would be cool to have like a glass cannon type thing out there for exalted but turned out to be way harder than we were able to to maintain but um but the other great way to play online and I feel like we spent so much time talking about the first uh, way that maybe it would almost be better just break this into two parts and uh, do do the uh, play-by-post thing as another portion. In fact, do we want to do that? Would that be cool? Yeah, I mean, we're already at an hour and a half, so... Yeah. Uh, I think yeah, that's... You want to see that? Yeah, I think that's probably smart. Okay, so what we'll do then is, because we... Yeah, we took a long time talking about the the VTTs and, and by the way, the I could talk much longer about VTTs. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you could. <laughs> I could tell, but because we took a long and and because this next one, uh, when we talk about play by post, I would actually really like for Jim to be here because Jim plays with us uh, more than Charles does on our play by post stuff. And, uh, and I know that he would have a lot of input mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And, and I really want to give it the time that it deserves too, because, uh, we, you know, we've come up with some interesting things for our play by post stuff that I don't see out there on a lot of other ones. And so I really want to give time to, to speak about that. And so maybe we will just cut this episode off as a part one of two of talking about playing role-playing games, specifically exalted online. And then we'll pick back, pick back up again, uh, at, on the next episode and talk about play by post. I think that's How's smart. That sound, everybody? Ah, it is smart because I smell breakfast cooking and I would really <laughs> like to go get a bite before it gets cold. So, anyway. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, that sounds like a plan and that gives us an easy outline for the next show. I don't even have to write any show notes. Yeah. We'll just, we've already got it written. So anyway. All right. Well, uh, well, thanks Charles for, for being on here and sharing with us some of your expertise with uh, all of the online play and the VTT and all that stuff. I know that that's your, that is definitely your wheelhouse and uh and then we'll get into my wheelhouse on the next one so that's gonna just about wrap it up i guess for this episode thank you all for listening and now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best goodbye everybody bye